0: welcome to uh, this Ash Wednesday service you know while the world celebrates love today on this Valentine's Day we celebrate also love but the love of a Savior um, as we make this journey to during this season called Lent and we're on our way to the cross and to uh, resurrection on Easter Sunday so we're glad that you have joined us for uh, this evening Uh, if you Uh, would like to uh, join with me in the call to worship it'll be on screen i think as well as in your printed program but let's stand for this call to worship in the opening prayer the season of lent calls us to journey along the edge to anticipate that final trip to jerusalem Lent not only calls us to give up something, but also invites us to participate in the mystery of God with us. Glory Glory God, your grace, God call us from grief, from grief into sadness, despair, despair into hope, to estrangement to into right pain. relationship with each other, with our world, and with you. Join with me in the unison prayer. Gracious God, out of your love and mercy, you breathe into us the breath of life creating us from dust to serve you and our neighbors. Hear our prayers as we gather together this day. Stir us to acts of tenderness and strengthen us as we reach with confidence for your mercy and grace in Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
1: It became an early church custom to set aside the 40 days prior to Easter as a season of spiritual preparation. In part, this 40-day season was to to remember and honor the the time that Jesus spent in the wilderness before he was tempted by the devil. In the early church, this season of spiritual preparation was also a time for for those who were new to the faith, the new converts, to prepare for the sacrament of baptism and to make their profession of faith. At the same time, though, um, those who had left the faith community because of of committing grave and atrocious sins against the community were were given the opportunity to repent and, and to come back into the life of the church. And a part of that was the church realizing and recognizing the saving grace that is experienced through Christ because of his death and because of his resurrection And so it wasn't just for new believers, it was for all of those who are trying to come back to set their lives straight with God again. In the same way, today, as it was for those in the early church, God's grace offered to us through Christ, His mercy and His forgiveness is still available. There is still a chance, there's still time for us to come back and to repent And that a communal experience of grace that we experience together here tonight is an amazing opportunity for those of us of faith. So tonight as we gather here, I want to offer you an invitation. An invitation that has been offered from generation to generation for thousands of years. I invite you to recognize and to live into this season of Lent. I invite you to spend time examining your own life and how you live out your faith. I invite you to repent, to to turn away from that which shackles you in this life, that thing called sin, which can be anything that prevents you from experiencing God's grace in your life. During the season of preparation, I invite you to pray. I invite you to abstain, to fast from the things that consume you. I invite you to deny yourself for the reason and for the purpose of glorifying God. Most importantly, I invite you to once again engage with God's living word, to read the stories again and again, to meditate on their meaning, and to commune with God through devotional scripture reading. To repent, to turn away from all that shackles us in this life, we must first bow down before our Creator and recognize our own limitations, recognize our own mortality, recognize that we cannot do it on our own. We must realize that it is Christ who saves, not ourselves. And so now I invite you to join in a moment of silent meditation as we bow down before the Creator of all things, Would you join me in our prayer of confession? Help us, awesome God, to be honest with ourselves and with you. We want to change our wasteful and destructive ways. We want to be rid of the evil that weighs us down, the guilt that crushes our spirits. Have mercy on us as we remember and confess our sins in these moments of silent struggle. Purge us from all the garbage of our past. Wash us in the flow of streams of your loving love. Create in us clean hearts, O God, and fill our lives with a new and right spirit. Sustain our hearts day by day and renew focus of your steadfast love.
2: Amen. Tonight is Ash Wednesday. Our whole day has been Ash Wednesday. It's the start of the Lenten season, and Lent is a time of self discipline and self denial, which which causes us to remember. I'll wait. The sufferings, helps us to remember the sufferings of Jesus on our behalf. Tonight is also the beginning of our new Lenten teaching series which focuses on the invitation of Jesus to simply follow him. We're going to start by looking at the account of Jesus calling his disciple Matthew to follow him as it's recorded in Matthew 9, 9 through 13. Now in the verses just prior to these verses, Jesus has just forgiven and healed a paralyzed man when we pick up the account at verse 9. Scripture says, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. I think it's important for us to recognize that Matthew was a tax collector. We need to understand where tax collectors stood with society in that day. Being a tax collector, was not it was not an elected office. It was an office sold to the highest bidder. And in this case, it was a Hebrew appointed by the ruling Rome, Roman governor to collect taxes from his fellow Hebrews. And those taxes would be turned over than to the occupying Roman government. And that, friends, was taxation without representation long before it became a rallying cry for American independence. Being this type of tax collector was a very profitable position, even if it made the person extremely unpopular with their fellow citizens. In fact, to say that these tax collectors were unpopular is probably a gross understatement. They were disliked, they were detested, they were seen as traitors who were not working for the enemy, that oppressive, occupying Roman government. These tax collectors were the lowest of the low, as seen by their fellow Hebrews. Now here Jesus is inviting a tax collector to follow him. I think it's interesting to note what Jesus did not say to Matthew, the tax collector. Jesus did not say, Matthew, if you stop collecting such unreasonable taxes, you can follow me. He did not say, Matthew, if you stop doing that and start doing this, then you can follow me. Jesus did not say any of those types of things. Jesus simply invited him to follow him. Now, we can only imagine what the disciples of Jesus must have been thinking. They would be thinking, wait a minute, Jesus, what? Uh, No way. That's not going to work. Not a tax collector, Jesus. Why in the world would we have a tax collector as one of your followers? We're already a ragtag group of misfits. We don't fit together. We're outcasts. But listen, Jesus, we still do have some self-respect, not a tax collector. You don't really want to invite a tax collector with you, Jesus, do you? But that's exactly what Jesus did. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man that was named Matthew and sitting at his tax collector's booth, and he said, Follow me and be my disciple. And that's what Jesus said, and what did Matthew do? He got up and he followed him. Jesus invited Matthew, this tax collector, to come and to follow him, and he did it. I was thinking, can it really be that simple? Can it it be simple enough that all a person needs to do is accept that invitation of Jesus to follow him? Again, we can only imagine the reaction of those who were already following Jesus. The twelve that we tend to call the disciples had not yet been chosen. In fact, anybody who followed a rabbi at that point was known as a disciple. So the crowd that was following Jesus at that time were known as his disciples. And we can be sure that Peter was in the forefront of that group and he could not have been happy with Jesus inviting a tax collector to join them. Now it's possible that the that the group that was following Jesus at that time had already become selective about who they did and did not want to join. Um, they, may have, they may not have come yet to understand Jesus and his loving care for all people. Yet all throughout the Gospels, Jesus invites all sorts of people to follow him. Many of them were types of people that the society of that day considered them to be undesirable. People that good folks just wouldn't associate with. But repeatedly, Jesus invites them to follow him. So Jesus invites Matthew, and Matthew accepts the invitation. And they go to Matthew's house for dinner. And look who Jesus is eating dinner with. Scripture goes on and says later Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. It suddenly gets way worse. Not only are there tax collectors at dinner, Jesus, there are sinners there too. And you could see how this could be a big problem But there's an old saying about birds of a feather that flock together. and In this day, tax collectors and sinners, well, those would have been birds of a feather. We need to know that in the Jewish faith, those who did not attend the temple and practice the sacrificial system of prescribed sacrifices for certain sins, those who neglected their religious duties and observances, um, they were all labeled as sinners. So what you and I have come to know from the New Testament, the New Testament writings of Paul, is that we have all sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. There is not one of us here that are righteous. But the, right, the religious people of that day, the most religious of them being the Pharisees, were always watching Jesus. They were always waiting for him to break one of the, 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 the religious laws as they understood them. And these Pharisees, they practiced a religion based upon rules and regulations, so they were watching and waiting for Jesus to break the rules. And we see this in verse 11, where they have made note of Jesus dining with these undesirables. Scripture tells us, But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with such scum? These religious leaders, these Pharisees, were puzzled by the fact that Jesus was sharing a meal with such folks as tax collectors and sinners, and not with the religious people. From their perspective, Jesus was associating with all the wrong crowd. And I find myself wondering at times if Jesus would be having dinner with with all of the good church-going folks of today, or, or, or would, he, would he be with the folks at the soup kitchen or those in the prison system or those who sleep on our streets? Perhaps we too can become too selective about who it is that we share our times and our talents with. Jesus has a response to the questions the Pharisees asked in verse 12. When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Now we can only speculate what sort of feelings this statement of Jesus may have stirred up in the heart of Matthew and his fellow tax collectors, even his sinner friends. Healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. It's uncertain if Jesus was referring to the Pharisees outside as being healthy, but it's pretty clear that he was implying that those with whom he was dining with were sick. I like to think that Jesus may have been using some sarcasm here to maybe address these Pharisees and all those religious folk of the day. If they thought that they were healthy and in no need of a doctor, they were delusional. He seems to be speaking to those who are self righteous, that feel that they are spiritually healthy and in no need of a doctor, no need of a savior. And then there's us. We who recognize that we are spiritually sick. We readily admit our need for a doctor, our need for a Savior. And and I think when we're honest with ourselves, we tend to recognize all the ways in which we are sick, all the ways that we do need a doctor, the ways we need to be healed. And that's when we need to humbly be grateful for the fact that we are exactly the ones for whom Jesus came. We are the ones who Jesus invites to come. Follow me. Now Jesus had some final words for the Pharisees in this scene when he says in verse 13, then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call those who think they are... For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. In part, Jesus was referring to the religious practice of a prescribed sacrifice for a particular sin, as was mentioned earlier. And I can't help but believe that what Jesus was comparing was a religious ritual with a compassionate act of mercy. God in Christ is far more interested in the actions of our heart than the religious ritual we perform. And his words about the call of the righteous and the sinner are an echo of what we said earlier about the healthy and the sick. If you feel that you are healthy, if you feel that you are righteous, you will not feel the need for a doctor. You'll not feel the need for a healer. And you won't feel the need for a Savior. There are four things about following Jesus that I wanted you to take home with you tonight. The first thing I want you to know tonight is being a sinner does not disqualify us, it's a prerequisite. We need to realize that every person who has ever decided to follow Jesus was, at one time, a sinner. Even those first followers who we have come to know as the apostles, they were sinners. In fact, if you're not a sinner, you do not qualify to be a follower of Jesus. And as Jesus said, For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. And that's you and that's me. We and everybody like us are exactly the ones that Jesus invites to come and follow. The second thing I think we need to know is that being an unbeliever doesn't disqualify you. None of the earliest followers of Jesus believed. I don't know for certain, but I would guess that there has never been a single soul who was born as a believer. So, that being the case, every believer began as an unbeliever. So, starting as an unbeliever does not disqualify us from following Jesus. In fact, I believe that only by following Jesus will the unbeliever actually become a believer. The third thing is the invitation to follow is an invitation to a relationship. Becoming a Christian is not an invitation to live life according to a set of rules and regulations. Accepting the invitation of Jesus to follow him is an invitation to relationship Specifically, a relationship with Him. And if you've ever been in a relationship, you know what happens when you care about, when you love someone. Your behavior changes. And when we start to love Jesus, we will start doing things differently. We stop doing other things. And the great news is that Jesus invites us into this this loving relationship with Him just as we are. The change in us will come as a result of our relationship with Jesus if we will simply follow him. The fourth thing is following Jesus forces us to focus on where we are rather than where we are not. When we live by a set of rules and regulations, we tend to measure ourselves against other people. So we have a tendency to focus on how other people are keeping the rules and regulations so that we can compare ourselves to those who think uh, that we think as not doing as good of a job of keeping the rules as we are. But when we focus on following Jesus, we are focused on Jesus and, and, and how well, how closely we are actually following Him. The question that we need to ask ourselves is simply this. Am I following Jesus? It's not a question of have I done enough? Or it's not a question of have I done the right things? It's not a question of do I simply believe the right things? Or have I been acting the right way? The question is simply am I following Jesus? And that's going to be the focus of our Lenten season. Am I following Jesus? On Ash Wednesday, guys, we're called to slow down, to give something up, to add something spiritual that takes our focus toward Him. Takes, us, takes our focus to the cross and the ultimate, uh, the ultimate celebration of the resurrection of Jesus that we all get to celebrate Easter Sunday. But for tonight, know that this journey is starting for many Christians all around the world. And in that, we're going to join them on this passage to follow Jesus as closely and as attentive as we can. Focus, friends. We are ashen because we fall short. But in that, that's where Jesus says to you, Follow me. The question is, will you? Let's pray. Merciful and loving God, you call us to follow, to turn away from our own selfish interests, and to take up our cross and follow after you. Even if the path is difficult for us to see, Lord, or or heading in a direction that we would never have chosen for ourselves. Forgive us for being so quick to to question and to, to hesitate to follow. Help us to see with the eyes of faith rather than from our own human point of view. Teach us, Lord, to follow without fear, knowing that you are always with us leading the way. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.